0: never going to understand how critical this particular time in history is we have 7.7 trillion dollars worth of economic events that are going to hit america in the gut this is An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun, President and CEO of Private Wealth Consultants, the free, market voice the
1: free market voice
0: of the U.S., enhancing and protecting private wealth. Gary Rathbun has over 30 years of experience in making the best choices for you to keep more of what you earn. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of self-reliance. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. This is our...
2: Greetings and welcome again to An Economy One. I am your host, Gary Rathman. Fresh off the uh, weekend with CPAC. Last weekend, we spent a lot of time at CPAC. We uh, broadcast a lot of stuff from there and had a great time. And in the week since I was at CPAC, I've had a lot of time to think about things and reflect on things. And of course, it always boils down to, for me anyway, liberty and American exceptionalism. And one of the more interesting people I met at CPAC, and you're going to laugh at this, I know, but one of the most interesting people I met was the guy that shined my shoes. Whenever I I come across a uh, more of a high-end hotel, there's always a guy that has a business of shining shoes and several chairs and that kind of stuff. And I always like those kind of shoe shines. Uh, There's just nothing like... A real old world quality shoe shine. Stays with the shoes a long time. But anyway, I got to talking to the guy and he's an immigrant and and it was fascinating because here I am at CPAC, there's conservatives everywhere, a lot of college kids all over the place, many, many successful people, and here's an immigrant shining shoes. And he'd been in the country a long, long time. And he was what I would call the epitome of American success. Came to this country with nothing. I think he was from Ethiopia or something. Came here with nothing and started doing work and ended up being a shoeshine guy because that's a relatively low barrier to entry. (laughs) And he was in Washington, D.C., and by the time he shined my shoes and talked to him, he owned roughly seven, I believe, seven different shoe shine stands around Washington. He owns several coat check businesses in high-end hotels. I didn't realize the coat check aspect, uh, the coat checking business was separate from the hotel, but apparently it is. And he was uh, shining shoes at that particular time when I was there, loves his work, does great work, but he was just inspiring to hear about it. And I got to thinking about that and how easy it is for you and me to complain about this country, how easy it is, especially now during presidential primary election time, and given the last... I don't know, a decade or so of Washington politics and how partisan they are, how much they want to damage the morale of this country by tearing us down from the inside. It, It just was refreshing and caused me to pause that here's a very lowly kind of job. I don't think I'd want to shine shoes for a living. And it's not something that you know when you when you have children and and you talk about their future in America. I can remember as a kid uh, being told that anybody in an America can grow up to be president. It wasn't only till now that I figured out that was actually true. But nobody ever told me, you know, this is America. You could grow up to shine shoes. But yet. This was a real business, real cash flow. Just so you know, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoe shine guy giving Rathman a big story about owning a bunch of, uh, shoe shine stands and coat checks and stuff. Actually checked him out and he was absolutely telling the truth. I don't know what his net worth was. Probably not extraordinarily wealthy, but the man, uh, married somebody here had children put his children through college one of them is an attorney and one of them is uh, in the finance industry up in new york the point i'm trying to make here is that america is an exceptional country we are a great country and like warren buff has said in the last 240 years it's uh, it's been a really bad mistake to bet against America, and the time is no different now. So I started doing a little bit more research, and just to tell you how exceptional America is, you know, with the presidential candidates out there and talking about socialism and spreading the wealth, and free this, and free that, free education, free health care, all this kind of stuff, they always put up Europe or pieces of Europe as the example. That, you know what? They're a democratic socialist country, and they're pretty good, pretty happy, and we should be like that too. Well, two of the strongest countries, or two of the countries perceived to be the strongest in the European Union are Sweden and Germany. Well, if if you take either of those countries, bring them over here so that they are a state in the United States, by far and away, they would be two of our absolute poorest states now, I did research on this and saw measurements on different metrics. So GDP per capita, they would be very, very poor states. Well, GDP is something that's uh, not necessarily fully reliable in determining a country's or a state's wealth. So I, I switched the metric to median income. Per capita, and even then, Sweden and Germany pretty much at the bottom of the list compared to virtually all of our states. Now, our poorest states—probably what Mississippi and uh, maybe Arkansas—somewhere in there. Southern states, very, very low income per capita. Still, beats Sweden and Germany. And just about any metric that I looked at, now a lot of this research comes out of Mises organization, and just about any any metric you look at, any of our states are better off right now than all of the countries individually in the European Union. So when these politicians, when these candidates are laying out there, hey, Sweden has terrific health care. They have terrific income equality and that kind of stuff. Just remember that they're worse off than our poorest state. Talking to the gentleman who shined my shoes in Washington, D.C. last week reminded me of these thoughts. These people come to America they have more ambition, they have more desire. How can you become rich, put kids through college, raise a family, all that kind of stuff, shine and shoes uh, in America and working hard. The trouble is that we have over a couple of generations ingrained in people that they are victims, that they are entitled to an equality of outcome and that they don't have to work hard, nor should they work hard. The people who make a lot of money in this country obviously steal it from other people who don't make a lot of money in this country. You cannot make the poor rich by making the rich poor. Abraham Lincoln said, you want to help the poor? Do everything you can not to add to their numbers. This man shine shoes in Washington, D.C., clearly to me, was one of the most successful individuals that I had ever talked to. Yeah, he probably wasn't rich, probably didn't drive a Lamborghini, anything like that. But success? Yeah, he, he was successful. And as you know, success and money rarely have anything in common maybe he wasn't mega rich but he was successful and he was more successful than many of the people there at CPAC terrific terrific example to me of American exceptionalism up next you know that uh, agreement with Iran sanctions on North Korea All that stuff takes second place to what the U.S. is doing or what the FBI is doing right here
0: in this country. We'll talk about that next. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. You know, it's a
2: good thing that we had John Kerry negotiate with Iran over uh, nuclear weapons and and delivery systems and like that. Just came out this week that Iran is test firing two more long range ballistic missiles. Uh, They continue with these uh, military tests, even though we have sanctions and warnings to them from Washington doesn't matter doesn't matter they they want to want to show force to the U.S. and and defy us in in front of the world and they're getting away with it we're going to do nothing we will do nothing this administration will do nothing that was a supposedly a hard-fought deal that uh, lifted international sanctions against Iran in exchange for Iran curbing their nuclear ambitions, and, you know, we said it at the time, it's meaningless. Iran had no intention, none whatsoever, of adhering to any agreement. I'm not even sure they ever did sign it, so maybe they're not breaking an agreement. You can't break an agreement you didn't sign. And they're flexing their muscles over there, and now... With the sanctions lifted and and assets returned, they got the money to do it, and we're starting to see this all over. Look what Russia has done in the face of our our uh, international weakness, and of course North Korea. Uh, that guy's truly nuts, by the way. This leader in North Korea, oh my goodness, he's got photos taken of himself beside some kind of missile with some type of warhead on it. The experts are telling us that it's probably, probably not a hydrogen bomb or what's called a thermonuclear device, but uh, it could be just simply an atomic bomb, (laughs) just just simply an atomic bomb. But we're seeing this all over the the world. Now, you know, the U.S. in flexing its muscles has uh, dispatched three B-2 stealth bombers on a training mission over by uh South Korea South Korea is obviously a little nervous with uh the North Korean leader taking these kind of pictures and issuing these kind of threats saying they're going to come he's going to come right out and do a uh, pretty much a first strike a a preventative strike against uh America and and uh South Korea and I think he's nuts enough to do it I mean it's It's one thing to have nuclear weapons in the hands of leaders, whether they like us or not, but understand the rationality of uh, pulling the trigger on one of them. But the FBI, I mean, the Pentagon, uh, especially Washington, D.C., they've got it all in hand. They're well, well uh, aware of all the situations around the world and have prioritized their activities To flying drones spy drones military spy drones over the u.s. over the u.s. over our own territory they are flying military spy drones over you and me now this came about through a FOIA uh, freedom of information act this is uh, uh, I first read about this in USA today but, uh, you know, it, it's a cure, uh, occurred uh, of fewer than, than 20 times. And as far as we know, uh, the flights have been rare and lawful. Right, right. We can believe that, right? I, I feel much better uh, about that. But here we have um, North Korea threatening us. We have Iran threatening us by they came right out and said that uh essentially israel uh they're not concerned about israel they feel israel is going to self-destruct collapse from the inside that the u.s is really their enemy so we have north korea wanting to blow us up we have iran wanting to blow us up we have Russia has always wanted to blow us up and uh we're deploying spy drones over the US. Now, it's it's amazing to me that nobody is is protesting in the streets over this. I mean, really? I mean, it it's it, it's It's just amazing that the FBI, especially the FBI, there's a new anti-terror initiative out there that is trying to instruct high schools across America to inform on students who express anti-government and anarchist political beliefs. I mean, they're categorizing groups uh, that are libertarian, constitutionalist, uh, as sovereign citizens, and they've deemed sovereign citizens as more dangerous to this country than Islamic jihadists uh, or, or uh, uh, militant Islam groups. So you and I, if we talk about anti-taxes, um, if we talk about shrinking government, we talk about the Constitution... Um, we're put on a list and we're watched and now we find out they've been sending drones over our own country, over our own people when so much of this other stuff is, uh, going on around the world. That's where we're deploying our, uh, military assets right here. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible coming up next Dr. Kelly Ward is going to be joining me she is uh, running against John McCain for the U.S. Senate seat in Arizona caught up with her at CPAC a lot of fun to talk to
0: she'll be next Gary Rathbun an economy of one An economy of One with Gary Rathbun. We're speaking with
2: Dr. Kelly Ward. Very excited about this because she is challenging. Senator John McCain in Arizona for his seat coming uh, this fall. Is that the election?
1: I am. Of course, I call it the people's seat, but, you know, Eh, I think John McCain calls it his seat, but I call it our seat.
2: I I slipped into a little Ted Kennedy (laughs) syndrome there, you know, the Kennedy seat. But that's kind of exciting. I I did some uh, research on you because, you know, I'm from Ohio, so I don't really keep track of Arizona politics too much but uh, you've gotten some major endorsements uh, and major momentum going into this I
1: do I do and it keeps building every single day and uh, it's been wonderful because I think people are ready for a change mm-hmm. they don't want the kind of change we got with Barack Obama that kind of hope and change they want change that is going to be meaningful they want to be look you know people that are on the ground in Arizona are looking for a competent qualified capable person who's ready to take the reins and hit the ground running and do the work in Washington DC they're tired of the same same old, same old. They're tired of career politicians and the elites basically ruling over us rather than having government of, for, and by the people. The people that we have there, many of them, so many of them that have been there for decade after decade, just like Senator McCain, have started to believe they're actually above the people rather right. than of the people. And I think we're going to see significant change this electri- election cycle. Well,
2: and, and, you know, me of all people shouldn't have... Uh, shouldn't have stumbled that way, but I did call it John McCain's seed. Well, I and mean, you, he's been in actually, it for
1: 33 years, yeah. so, you know.
2: I, you know, and, and. – I really have nothing against him, I, but I I do think it's time to go home and play with your grandkids. Yes. I mean, after that amount of time. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you you have to think. Okay, um, by the time if he if he wins another term, he'll have been there for forty years. And I don't know what forty years of John McCain has done for our country. I do know that seventeen point five trillion dollars of the debt that we have over over nineteen now mm-hmm. has been on John McCain's watch. I know that it had. You know, he's been a big government, big spending Republican, voting for tax hikes and bailouts. And uh, massive new spending, and and amnesty, and liberal judges, and people are tired of it. Uh, new study, new poll came out showing the dissatisfaction with his job performance across Republicans, Democrats, and Independents is huge, uh, um, close to seventy percent. Wow, that's
2: incredible. You know, Arizona is one of those states where, you know, it, it's it's you're you're in the news a lot because you you border Mexico. Yes, and one of our big issues in this country that that gets a lot of headlines on on top of mind of a lot of people is is illegal immigration coming into that now you were a state senator for arizona and uh now going to represent uh arizona on a national level what's your thoughts on on helping with this problem i mean we're all immigrants you know i got no problem with people coming into this country uh, I just got people, com- I had a problem with people coming in illegally exactly. into the country.
1: Right. Uh, you know, that's one of the big reasons why I'm challenging Senator McCain, because the last time he ran, he ran on a platform of build the dang fence. And then as soon as he got the conservatives to join in and give him the votes he needed to get back to Washington, D.C., he um, went straight to the Gang of Eight and the Amnesty Bill. And it's simply unacceptable. We have got to secure the border. In Arizona, we see the toll of the poorest border on every aspect of our society, health care, education, public safety corrections, economy, welfare, all of those things are... um, Mm are being so bogged down by illegal immigration that um, the people that are citizens of our great state and of our great country aren't able to enjoy the benefits of being citizens of mm-hmm. the United States. And so we've got to we've got to secure the border. It's got to be done in an all of the above approach. That includes a physical infrastructure of some sort. It includes technology. It includes empowering the border patrol to do their job instead of having their hands tied the way this administration has it tied, at allowing other entities to come in, whether it's or the national guard to keep people from coming into this country expecting that um or or putting out the expectation that if you cross the border illegally there will be consequences not rewards for those actions and then making sure that we've got a great e-verify program in place so that employers are held accountable and finally we have to turn off those goodies that attract people Mm -hmm. to come and i think that will (laughs) fix our problem with illegal immigration
2: you know it's a, a it's it's both a sad statement and a And a positive statement, depending on how you look at it, that our welfare system is a even our prison system is a raise
1: in their standard of living. Very sad. Very sad. But you know what we know and we know that we cannot bring every person uh, from around the world who is fleeing poverty or who's fleeing war, who's fleeing gang violence, who's fleeing persecution into this great country Um, though many of us are very charitable loving people Mm -hmm. and would love to help people. The thing that we need to do is help people where they are. When, When we talk about the refugees we don't need to be bringing refugees into the United States from the Middle East. We need to be creating a safe area for them there it's much more cost effective to bring someone here it costs about sixty thousand dollars to bring one person we can help um, people there at fifteen hundred dollars per person where we create a place where they can be successful because when they come here they don't share the language they don't share the culture they don't share the food they don't share their religion many times and so it makes it very difficult for them to assimilate into the united states culture but if we help them there um, by creating the safe spaces and then teaching them about free market capitalism And freedom and liberty, then they will be able to be successful in their own space rather than in ours.
2: You know, and I I think you touch on a couple of great points. Is even assimilating into our our society uh, assimilation is kind of a bad word now. We have to change our culture for them. I mean, how many school systems have? You know, 20 different languages spoken yes. to, to students. And I heard of one stuff.
1: of our jails in Arizona has 83 languages being <laughs> spoken in a jail. 83 languages. That, that's uh, unbelievable, incredible. right? Yes, unbelievable. But, uh, you know, uh, I think I, you know, I think that the American dream used to be to come to the United States to live better than you could in your own country and to have something for your family that you built, mm-hmm. that you worked hard for to accomplish. Um, but now that dream has kind of changed to say, what can I? How can I get across that border and see what I can get for free from the American government? And right. that has to. We have to have a shift back to reality, back to sanity, right. where because I, I want people who want to be successful who want to love this country, who want to be entrepreneurial to be able to succeed um, when they are here. I don't want to change my culture to um, assimilate into something else because there was a reason people were leaving right. somewhere else because right. they wanted to come to our great country. We don't want our great country to turn into something that's not so great.
2: Yeah. Now, you're a doctor. Yes, family and, medicine, family and, physician. Uh, your husband's a doctor. I he met is. Mike in the coffee line yeah. the other oh, good, day. Yeah, so. good, good. He's a heck of a promoter. He's so. a great... He's
1: a, he is definitely a keeper. I love him.
2: <laughs> so, but uh, uh, let, let's let's shift gears a little bit away from uh, immigration and go to health care. I mean, yes. you've seen it on on both sides. Yep. I mean, you receive health care and you administer health care.
1: Exactly right.
2: Um, uh, getting into the Senate... Um, what are you going to do? I right. mean, it's we want that new blood there. I mean, I agree with you. I think you should be there. I got nothing against McCain. He's an American hero, or hero, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Time to go home and rest. Um, What's your thoughts on, on the health care in this country?
1: Well, I mean, Obamacare is a disaster. It's an absolute shambles. And the one thing that I think gives me a lot of credibility is that I was a health policy maker in the Arizona State Senate, but I also have been able to see in action those policies that have been put in place, Obamacare, Medicaid expansion, all of those things, and and they are not working. I still work. I work in the emergency department in rural Arizona in Kingman. And um, and I used to say I see the good, the bad, and the ugly of those policies, but I've taken good out. I've ex good. <laughs> (laughs) out. And I just see the bad and the ugly of what's happening with it. So we've got to fully repeal it. I have a plan called the patient power plan. You can read it on my website, kellyward.com. And it basically is a full repeal, including all the taxes and regulations that go along with it. That alone will save our country billions, if not trillions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And then the most important part is that it puts the power of healthcare back where it belongs. It takes it away from politicians and bureaucrats and insurance company executives. And it puts it smack dab in the hands of patients because we as patients deserve the healthcare that we want and that we need. We should not have to settle for the tiny amount of health care that the government's willing to give us. And the only way to do that is through health savings accounts, because health savings accounts are the only thing that have proven to drive down the cost of medicine while also increasing access and increasing um, quality.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I, uh, all my life I wanted to be a doctor. Yes. And, uh, Thank goodness I washed out of medical school. I, <laughs> I, I got the bedside manner of a doorknob. I, mean, I don't I, believe I, I just, that at uh, all. My wife always laughs I when I tell it. the story of, of medical school. But, um, you know, I, it, it, my personality is a control uh, freak type personality anyway. And uh, I, I really think that at the very least it ought to go to the state level. You know, if the state wants to stick their fingers in my health care, I don't like that either, yeah. but I can deal with that because I can move to another state yes. if I want to. Yes. But uh, um, I, I just, I, I, I just, I, I guess I see it a lot in my show, a lot in my own life. I I'm, I'm just kind of unenamored with Congress, <laughs> yes. and, you know, I, 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 I get excited talking to people like you because it's new blood, it's new energy, it, it's... and. and I, I'm in no position to say we need younger people there right. because I don't think you know. it's the
1: age that's the the important thing. I think it's just new people. It doesn't matter what age you are. Mm-hmm. We just need new ideas, new people, fresh blood into the system, and it doesn't have to be people who are younger. I mean, I happen to be younger than John McCain. He's going to be 80 by the time the right. election rolls around. I'm 47. Everybody knows now. I mean, I can't hide it. <laughs> uh, and so, Heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. And um, but I don't think that it's the youth. Because obviously, that's not 47 is not. Youth youthful. I, I I don't think that it's the, the the age of the person, it's just having new people with new ideas coming into Washington D C to, to serve us.
2: Excellent. Well we've been speaking with Dr. Kelly Ward. She's running against John McCain, Senator John McCain in Arizona, uh, for the people's seat yes. in, in Arizona. Won't make that mistake again. <laughs> uh, Kelly, once again, is so glad to talk to you. Good to meet you. Uh,
1: thank you. Appreciate thank your you.
2: time, and uh, hopefully we can tap you on the shoulder again. Hey, uh, I'd love to. I'd one love of our to. affiliates is in your backyard, yes. uh, KNTR.
1: Yep, I've and, been on many times on KNTR. And, uh, it's a great station. So I hope people will join me, Kellyward.com, Kelly with an I, because I care about the people. Okay. Come on over, join Very Team good. Ward.
2: Thank you very much for your time.
1: Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
2: Good luck. Up next, a little diner we all have to go to, the politically incorrect
0: diner. Wait till you hear this. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun.
2: You know, for those of you that have listened to me a while, you know I'm not a big fast food fan. I don't uh, particularly like the chains of uh, uh, fast food restaurants around the country that, you know, no matter which one you go into, it tastes like uh, the last one. They're all the same, same menu, same everything. I like the independent uh, restaurants and diners. I'm a big fan of hot dogs, of course. I know that uh, I probably don't want to know what's in them, but I don't care. You put ketchup on it, stick it in a bun, it tastes good. But there's a little uh, diner called the American Diner, appropriately named. In Liverpool, New York, I got to go up there and try them out. But the American Diner is described as a gun-toting, beef-eating, Constitution-loving establishment owned by Michael Tassone. I think that's how you pronounce it, Tassone. Anyway, he's a good old boy, kind of a God and country guy, old glory. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a hamburger up there. That's twenty-four ounces, pound and a half of of hamburger i mean i love hamburgers but i think that'd be about a three-day meal for me i'm not sure but uh the restaurant uh they're encouraged to say grace uh they're encouraged to uh carry their guns in there and uh they talk religion they talk politics they're second amendment people and if you don't like it go to denny's that's what he says Just fascinating to me and a true example of the spirit of what this country should be about. Got uh, several talking points on the menu. And one of the talking about, we don't like political correctness or special interest. If you really don't like America, leave. Actually, I did build my business. Remember that President Obama saying if you own a business, you didn't build that? Yeah. Everyone doesn't get the same size trophy and government and taxes are the problem. Now, recently he's more upset with the government uh than before cuz New York state recently implemented an increase in minimum wage for tipped workers. Used to be $5 an hour and now it's 7.50 an hour, 50% increase. And it's just killing them. Their payroll has gone up by twenty-one thousand dollars, and they gotta find a way to, to pay for that. This is what I've told you over and over. Minimum wage is killing American business. Family owned restaurants, especially ones like this, just one of a kinds, so they're individual restaurants. Um they 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 they, they can't absorb a fifty percent increase in in wages like that, he's had to lay off workers. Uh, he's working in the restaurant over a hundred hours a week just because he can't afford to pay other people to uh, do that. You know, he's responding the way business owners respond, and he's decided to poke a little bit of fun at at uh, the New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, and of course President Reagan. And what he's done, he's named a couple a couple breakfast specials in their, uh, in their honor. And, uh, it's called the dictator Obama slash New York state special King Kumo. And, uh, <laughs> the breakfast includes two eggs and a slice of toast for three fifty nine, but the tax on it is $27 and 99 cents. <laughs> so, uh, um, I, I'm sure he's gonna enjoy uh his IRS audit and uh his health department inspection. But uh God bless him. I mean uh, uh he's uh, he's taking a jab at him, he's taking a shot, and uh uh good for him. But there's only so much of that cost you can pass on to your consumers. And uh you know, he's got a uh Sixteen ounce beef burger with bacon and cheese, with a side of fries, and it's called the Anti Michelle Obama. Don't tell me what to eat or feed my kids. Burger. <laughs> oh, I, I love this kind of stuff. I really do. I hope you find it amusing. I, I do. I, I think it's it's absolutely terrific. And in in this politically correct, insane world, uh, we have a presidential candidate who. Obviously, obviously, has violated some rules regarding emails and top secret disclosures and all that. And it's up to uh, the Attorney General Lynch, Lorena Lynch, to file charges uh, against said presidential candidate. But she's probably not going to do that. You and I both know that. Not going to happen. But she is going after some something much more important, and that is um, she's talking about civil legal action against climate change deniers. So she's testifying, uh, testified this week that the Justice Department has talked about civil legal actions against the fossil fuel industry for denying the threat. Of carbon emissions when it comes to climate change so you know when we talk about attack of free speech this is it right here right here this is it now Democratic senators jumping on board Senator Sheldon Whitehouse Democrat of Rhode Island said that he believes there are similarities Between the tobacco industry denying scientific studies showing the dangers of using tobaccos and companies within the fossil fuel industry denying studies allegedly showing the threat of carbon emissions. Now, I don't have enough time today. I don't think I have enough time in my lifetime to go over all the research and all the science that disputes what these climate change people are promoting out there. It doesn't matter what the science is. They just want to keep taxing, 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 taking away your private property rights and gaining to their power. Now, with the threat of civil legal action on a federal level, she's going to try and probably succeed in shutting up any scientist that does research that the results are counterintuitive to what the political narrative is regarding climate change. Now, once again, free speech, free speech and truth. We have scientific evidence that proves or disproves the claims of these nutcases. But she is going to try to shut them up with legal action, and we will see. We will see. But you can bet they will not prosecute former Secretary of State for email violations. Not going to happen. Mark my words. I want you to have a great day. Be an individual. Be self-reliant. Be an economy of one. I'm Gary Rathman. We'll see you next time.
0: This is our
2: The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. Listeners should consult their own financial advisors or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. Private Wealth Consultants is an SEC-registered investment advisor.